All right, good. Record there, record on the roadcast, or whenever you're ready. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, the Association of Common Sense Masculinity is proud to present the exciting, the thought-provoking, can-am soup, an entertaining, genuine, and often meandering conversation between two friends. And now, the stars of our show, Jeremy Gertz and Todd Fuss. Hey, Todd. How you doing, buddy? Good. How you doing, Jeremy? I'm tired. I'm doing great, but I'm tired. Yeah, you had an exciting week. I mean, my goodness. Yeah. Not even, you know, it. hard work, but not hard work. Hard work having fun. Yeah. All of it was kind of impromptu as well. Uh, so we were camping this week, and right now we've got a heat wave. We got a fire ban across the province because everything's dry as a bone, and so we're not allowed to like have a campfire in our backyard. Uh, I think in the city of Calgary, you're not even allowed to use briquettes because <laughs> of the fire risk. Um, but you know, we're thinking summer's almost gone. We need to get some camping, and we just tent camp. We don't have an RV. I mean, after living in an RV for like two and a half years, <laughs> why would I want to spend another night in one? But on Sunday. My wife and I were talking. We're like, "Oh, yeah, maybe we should maybe we should look into seeing if we can find a place to go camping." And so we've got a place that's like 15 minutes from us, like Cars Line. It's a provincial park, nice camping. It's right on the Bow River, but no fires. And if I'm going to be in a tent, I want a fire. Like I, I want to actually camp. And so we end up finding this other place. And I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna not say what it is because it's kind of like a hidden gem that's getting busier, and people don't like it getting busy. It is amazing, and it was 45 minutes from our house. And it's on a very large man-made reservoir for an irrigation district. And uh, so this campground is there and they irrigate like every day. They've got sprinklers. It's beautiful green grass. There's like, I don't know, 60, 70 foot tall poplars everywhere. And literally it's in the the parameters of the campground. Step one foot outside of there and it's dry prairie like pasture, <laughs> like literally is brown and yellow and it's flat. And so you're driving there. It's like, I don't know what's going to happen. And then whammo, you get into the campground. It's like this little oasis. And so called them up on Sunday. Hey, do you have any sites? Uh, first of all, I said, are you allowed to have campfires? I said, yep. Yep. We're private property and we have everything in place. We're allowed to have campfires. Cool. And do you have any spots for tenting? Yep. We've got lots of spots for tenting. Everything in RV was full taken but tending spots were available. So we decided, hey, let's go. We're, the boys were working for my parents on Monday. We thought we'll go out there Monday evening. We'll stay all day Tuesday, sleep Tuesday evening. We'll come home Wednesday. And we, we were having such a great time. And we were just shocked at how nice this place was. Like complete privacy. Like it was a, it was a big campground, but where we were, people would have a hard time seeing us. I mean, I, I literally went pee in the trees about five times a day because <laughs> that's how much privacy we had, right? It didn't have to go to the washrooms. And then we didn't know if they had showers. They had showers. They had all kinds of stuff. So we decided, you know what? Let's stay an extra day. So we did, and it was a blast. We got home yesterday. And then, uh, yeah, I went and did a little bit of flying yesterday with uh, one of my dad's friends has an airplane. So we went up in that. And then this weekend, we've got the rodeo weekend, and it's a long weekend, and it's my son's birthday, and it's just like, oh, my goodness. I'm already exhausted, and it's just from playing so hard. <laughs> <laughs> and it's not over yet. How are you doing? Doing pretty good. 
Got That's my good. Cough button on. Sorry. Oh, gotcha. I uh, yeah, doing pretty good. Uh, uh, yard work earlier this week. Um, my uh, stomach's been bothering me a couple days this week. You know, for the today would be the fourth day. Um, don't know what's going on there, but whatever. Mm. Um, paying a lot of attention to my hummingbirds this week. Uh, seems like we've had a sudden upshot in the population. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. I'm going huh. through. They're going through a gallon of uh, uh, sugar water every day and a half. Are you serious? Yeah. Wow. So you make that yourself? Yeah. What 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 ratio do you use? Um, four cups of sugar to one gallon of water. Oh wow! So those suckers aren't cheap to have around. No, but oh. they're you know they're cute and they. Uh, not to gross anybody out, but you know every animal relieves itself. Yeah. And uh, hummingbird poop is like you know, all they eat is sugar water, so they have liquid poo, and it's gross. Um, <laughs> just it gets everywhere and. Um. Yeah. Anyway, uh, I mean, I had to move the uh, feeders from the last two years, trying to get it into a place where it doesn't get all over. Yeah. And, uh, like the back deck, uh, with the furniture and the grill. Oh no, it was getting everywhere. Uh, oh. Now the we have this sudden upturn in population. Uh. And these hummingbirds are weird to me. Never seen a hummingbird stop before I got here. Never seen a hummingbird, you know, just chill all day. You know, land and just chill. Hmm. You know, on the little hook that hangs the feeder, he'll just, you know, because he's uh, made it his domain, one of the feeders. And uh, we call I call him the little godfather but because uh, he's a short little fat guy that uh, runs everybody off from his feeder anyway. Um, you'll just sit there all day on it and you'll fly down land drink go back up uh never heard a hummingbird until i got here uh other than the sound of them f- actual flying their yeah. wings uh now you can be inside and hear them outside they're um chortling is what i call it but yeah um, still not uh, interested in doing a, a representation for us are you no okay and uh, I'll check in. <laughs> I keep checking in. <laughs> uh, no. Oh, wait. Let me think about it. Uh, no. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> I'll, I'll wait another four or six weeks whenever the last time I asked you was. Maybe it was two months ago. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, it. Uh, that's what it sounds like. It's the only word I can think of is chortling. Yeah. And, uh, and if, when they do it as they're flying, it sounds so cool because they'll be singing that chortling sound and then buzz your head huh. or well, mine anyway, cause I'm the feeding guy. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, don't get so close. They'll flick your hair. Oh, wow. But you know, they're doing, you know, 800 miles an hour. And then that singing they do just, they sound just like something out of sci-fi <laughs> weird, but that's cool. Um, we, we've seen, you know, counted about 12 at a time, uh, last couple of days, there has to have been up to fifty in the in the front area between the trees, the feeders. Um, then this morning after the rain stopped, this bad storm that came through, 
if you looked out the front window and not focus on anything, right? Just let your mm-hmm. eyes relax and you're not focusing on anything. You can see their movement everywhere. There must have been a hundred between the feeders, the trees, uh, the cedars, oh, wow. the rose bushes. It was crazy. Huh. Because cool. you think you're seeing like 10, right? Oh, yeah. I've got 10. No, no. They keep, it's different 10 every, Oh wow! you know, five seconds. But anyway. That's cool. And then last night when I fed them, they, uh, I got f- four active feeders right now because my other uh, shepherd's hook that, that I could hang uh, feeders from, I need to move, but it's right in the middle of a bunch of ivy next to the creek. And that's just Snakeville, so oh, Todd yeah. ain't touching it yet. Yeah, um, you. So, yeah, I had oh yeah that 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 happened this week, didn't it? Yeah, you um, been texting me. You got some snake troubles. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Saturday after our Friday or Saturday, um, we uh, Danette came in and was like the snake. I'm like, oh, what? Go out right exact almost exactly where one was last year. You know, six, eight foot long snake. It's got about a foot of its head and about a foot of, you know, its neck, I guess. Wow. Uh, looking around. It's just standing up, looking around. Wow. And, uh, it, and it started coming towards the house, and that's the rule. You can't yeah. come towards the house. <laughs> yeah. You live out there. You start coming. If you're at the house or heading towards it, you got to die. And about 40, 50 yards away, um, I got my little. Target 22 I built years ago, and uh, well, one shot right through his head. Pop. Wow. And, so it's uh, that big? Yes. Like six foot then, long? <laughs> yes. Wow. And, it, you know, and you don't think a snake is that big. It only looked about four foot long. Yeah. Then you hold it up, and you're like, oh, wait a minute. See, now see, he's we, relaxed. Holy moly. When you texted me, like, oh, we got a snake problem, I'm like, okay, cool, because – do you know this, this? If I have a snake here, and if it's, I don't know, most of them might be three eighths in diameter, the fattest and six inches long. I think the longest snake I've ever seen, like anywhere near where I live here, maybe a foot and a half, if that. Like that's a big snake in my mind. So you're the six foot hole, ching a ling, that's big. And those aren't <laughs> those are normal size here. Wow. For that for that breed of snake, right? What kind that of species? It, you know. Yeah, it was a black racer. They're harmless, but again, at the house. Yeah, yeah. You no, know, you you need to be out there in the bushes. Yeah. Uh, not like the next one of this past week that tried sniffing at the doggy door. Yeah. You know, Benny was trying to go out, and he looked outside, and he was like, nah. <laughs> he started growling, <laughs> and Danette looked to see what he was growling at, and there was a big-ass snake yeah. um, sniffing around the doggy door. And that, that, was, that was the first day I was sick. Oh. So I'm laying in bed in the you know early evening, um, and I just went to bed. I uh, and I've been here in here about an hour, and uh, that comes in a snake, huh? Wow. At the doggy door. Oh crap! So I get up, I go, I just throw on my shorts, so I have nothing on but my shorts. Yeah. Go to the garage, get my snake uh, sticks. I have one of those. Uh, a snake hook, and I have yeah, a yeah. snake tong. Oh, okay. Right? And uh, people, my in-laws thought I was crazy when I bought them. I've used them things about 15 times in the last three years. Oh, wow. But uh, 
so I go get it, and we're trying to find the snake, and it's nowhere to be seen. And I'm like, yeah, did you really see a snake? And because uh, if it was supposed to be as you know as big as the wife says it is, you know, yeah. Um, oh my God, we have a python. I'm like, really? And uh, so then you start doubting that it's there. I go get my sandals and a shirt on. I go get some mothballs and I start spreading them in the uh, rose bushes and outside the front. Well, that can't. We haven't done that this year uh, yet because uh, you know you buy that stuff called Snake Away, and all it is, is mothballs. So, oh, really? Yeah. Whatever the chemical is in a mothball, it's a snake repellent. And uh, moth balls uh, are cheaper sometimes. Sometimes snake away is cheaper. Sometimes moth balls are cheaper. Huh. Anyway, I found this uh, company that was selling these like bulk packs of uh, moth balls for cheap, and I bought those. Anyway, so I start spreading moth balls, and I get to the end of the fence where we parked the vehicles and there it is coming underneath the sequoia. And it's about, I thought, Oh, well, you know, it's about five foot long. And, uh, but the problem is it's just where I walked through earlier with bare feet and nothing but shorts on. And I don't, we don't know what kind of snake it is yet because I hadn't seen it. Then I finally see it and it looks brown to me at this point of the story. It looked brown. I'm like, Oh shit. That's a rattlesnake. Yeah. Um, and then it's shaking its tail and it's hissing a little yeah. bit. Oh crap! So I you know, grab it by its tail, very gingerly, and its tail is broken off. And uh, I start to drag it back a little bit, and it's getting angry. Yeah. I'm, I got the hook on its back lightly, so it can't come backwards at me, and uh, just pulling it backwards with the tongue until I get it on its head. Yeah. I'm right behind its jaw. Finally, get, pick it up. And I'm like, "You are a black snake that's been through the ringer. Huh? You've got the black war off you by something. <laughs> um, and what what it probably is, it probably just went through its molt. Oh yeah, yeah. And uh, but again, you were just trying to get in my doggy door. Yeah. So unfortunately, you have to go. So um, told Annette, go get the red gun. That's my target twenty two. And uh, so I I'm holding it head by the tongue just put the barrel up to its head pop and yeah. you're, you're dead now yeah. and then uh i take them i took their carcasses and slung them in one area um, way 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 behind the house yeah uh the first one got hung up in a little uh, uh sapling so you have this dead snake hanging in a tree it was funny yeah but uh it wasn't there the next morning. It was gone, which right. is what I thought was going to happen. I was trying to feed, like, the raptor. Yeah, yeah. We have a uh, two hawks now that live around here, and uh, the second one was gone the next day, too. So huh. hopefully it was the raptor and not, a, like, a raccoon or something. Yeah. But That's crazy. Whatever. So it made it. You know? Yeah. You ever eaten snake? Yeah, right, rattlesnake up in Montana. Yeah, and I ate snake when I, I don't know what species of snake it was, uh, when I was in, uh, survival training hmm. and no, uh, it, people, Oh, it tastes like chicken. No, it doesn't. <laughs> no, it tastes like chicken. 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 <laughs> yeah. Um, quit saying things taste like chicken. They don't. Yeah. <laughs> snake tastes like snake. 
Now, yeah, the one I had in survival training tastes like filet mignon. I hadn't eaten in four days. Yeah, you know, the uh, uh, one that was prepared by uh, uh, probably one of the best chefs in Montana at that time. It it sucked. <laughs> you know, I I don't know how they prepared it because um, I wasn't in the kitchen, and the person that took me to go have rattlesnake was like, this doesn't taste like it normally does. Oh dear. And, uh, the same person was the, uh, kind of like the general manager of a ranch. Oh, okay. Uh, he called himself something else, but that's what he is, you know? Yeah. Uh, Lead hand or whatever. Well, he, he called himself the, um, what is it? The HMFIC is what he called himself. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, anyway, the next year when we were uh, I w- on the weekends and some evening, a lot of evenings, we would go out from the uh, us and the, me and a couple buddies. We would help them on the ranch because we would get, you know, steaks and we'd be able to go out there and shoot you know whatever mm-hmm. yeah, ride yeah. horses um like a barter system anyway we went out there next year during brand spring branding oh yeah and uh he actually roasted a snake over the fire and uh, that was not bad i wouldn't mm-hmm. eat it i wouldn't choose to eat it over something like chicken or beef or something but you know yeah yeah it didn't suck like the one in the restaurant did huh. That's crazy. Yeah, I've never. No, I know people that just swear by it, and I'm like, yeah, gross. Yeah, but I guess what it's like a deer to me. It makes sense. What it tastes like depends on what it eats. You know. Yeah. So, whatever. Yeah, totally. And I don't want to eat a rat. So, and if they're farm raised rattlesnakes, that's what they're eating. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Just saying, people. Yeah. You know, it always blew me away is that, um, what? Oh, shoot. I've been, oh, Dave Canterbury. You ever watch his YouTube channel? You know who he is? No, I've never heard of him. Really? Um, so Pathfinder Survival is his YouTube channel. And, uh, he was, uh, he was actually on the dual survival show, but he got kicked off because he had embellished his credentials a bit. Um, and he actually did a YouTube video where he apologized and takes full responsibility for lying and stuff. But I, I don't know. He was, uh, he, he was one of the bigger bushcraft YouTube channels, um, Pathfinder survival. And I, I liked his stuff a lot, but it's changed a lot, but really, I, I think he's got good, uh, good advice. You know, he says, you know, people talk about when they're prepping, they're buying like all kinds of food and this and that. And he's, he said, even people, if you go to an extreme, like, um, grid down like a apocalypse scenario where everything goes down and it doesn't come back. And he says, you know, these people worry so much about, Oh, I need to have all this food, all this ammunition. He says, have you ever thought about nails and maybe hoarding nails? Like think about something that's hard to reproduce that can do a lot of good for you, right? Like cordage is one thing you want to have cordage cause that's a lot of work to produce it yourself. Um, he said, as far as getting wood, that's not overly labor intensive. 
compared to making nails to build a house, you know? And he said just simple things like the way you think about survival and, and preparedness. And I was like, I never thought about that. You know, he said, if I, he said, if you're prepping for a SHTF scenario, why don't you have, you know, a five gallon pail of nails? I'm like, that makes sense. You can do a lot with some boards and some nails, you know? Oh, but, yeah. um, one of the, uh, he has, he has a YouTube channel. But this has nothing to do with his YouTube channel. He, he actually has never made it public, to my knowledge. This guy has a a humongous barn that he uh, restored. Mm-hmm. In that barn, he has plywood, framing lumber, uh, barrels of oiled rope, yep. nails, screws, uh, old hand tools to... So, you know, if there's no electricity, no batteries, yeah. uh, stuff like that, cable, yeah. um, uh, steel plating for, uh, you know, to make, uh, if you're going to make rafters, oh, yeah, yeah things yeah. like that, yeah. anyway, um, sheet metal, rolls of sheet metal, uh, stuff like that, just yeah. a, an, an enormous barn full, hmm. and that's exactly why he does it. Yeah. Like if everything goes south, you know, um, food is one thing. Yeah. You know, being able to build stuff, completely different. Yeah. And nobody thinks about that. Yeah. yeah what I was thinking, well, sorry, where I was going with that though is I got sidetracked with his channel. But so he's also a trapper as Dave Canterbury and uh, license. He, he traps for money for furs and stuff. And he's in Ohio in Eastern Woodlands. Um, but he'll eat coyote. Just thinking about eating something, you know, what that something's diet is affects its taste. And he's like, you know, I'm a believer. If you kill it, you use it. And I uh, says that goes for coyote too. So he said, I've been trying to figure out how to make coyote taste good for a long time because I, I take the hides and I don't like to waste the meat. <laughs> he says, and I don't eat all of the meat, but he says, I eat the coyotes that I trap. And he's going through some of these recipes. I'm like, that is incredibly dangerous. <laughs> is it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my lord! The microbes and I know. and rabies and everything else. Like eating a raccoon nowadays. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, two hundred years ago, things were a little different. Yeah. Right. And well, rabbits I, here are dangerous too now. Um, you see, you yes. Rabbits here. Uh, like rabbits in England, um, you had to if you were going to eat a rabbit, you better make sure it didn't have myxomatosis. Yeah. Uh, and or that it wasn't involved with. Because uh, the farmers over there use cyanide to this day. Yeah. Uh, anyway, but I loved rabbit, but you had to make sure you got the right rabbit. Yeah. Or yeah. farm raised or whatever. And I have thought a lot about uh, raising food rabbits. Yeah. But then I started researching, uh, researching it, and I'm like, you know what? That's a lot of work. We did. Do you know that we did that when we first moved out here? I think you told me that a long time ago. Yeah. Or maybe not. I don't know. Um, I know you had animals. Yeah. You said you've had about every kind of animal, but I didn't know you had food rabbits. Yep. Um, and it's it was creepy to me the first time I heard it that people, when you raise sheep, they're just sheep. Mm-hmm. You raise goats, they're just goats. You raise cows, they're just cows. But if you raise a rabbit for food, they're called food rabbits. I'm like, that's weird. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Um, no, so we, we're looking into it, and um, what do they call it? A rabbitry. 
so we had uh, rabbitry and um man the the is phenomenal the it is the one of the most sustainable meats to raise as far as you know the resources it takes to raise a pound of food and men they put out i mean obviously <laughs> breed like rabbits and so i forget the type that we had they're all white and um they'd say for the for the size of the rabbit it had the highest percentage yield like the most actual meat on it like a lot yeah. of people like those uh what are they called giant somethings uh I forget yeah, giant name. belgian yeah there's that and giant there's a couple of them, but their bones are so big in those ones and mm -hmm. so these ones uh but and also interesting thing with rabbit is that it has more protein than beef but it's leaner than chicken and they say mm -hmm. if there ever was a super meat rabbit is it it's like one of the healthiest yep. meats most bison rabbit and there's one other one i that it's not indigenous to north america but i forgot what it was but yeah. bison and rabbit are like the super meats yeah um, and you know what's awesome is that what we would do is we'd have these rabbits and they'd, I don't know, have their babies, blah, blah. We'd put them in, we'd breed them, have babies. And I made these things and it was basically kind of like a really long A-frame with chicken wire on it and on the bottom so they couldn't dig out. And what we would do is they're eight feet long and we'd set them in our garden and we, we made them big enough so it went right between the rows. And so we'd set the rabbits there and we'd put them all in the morning and then they would sit there and eat just like all the weeds and then we'd pick it up with about like three or four rabbits in it move it another eight feet and they literally weeded our entire garden that year and they would get the whole thing done it was it was so cool like it, they're really interesting and obviously they eat a lot of greens but man we just kept this thing we had a huge garden we could move it around and you could put them on a piece of grass you know leave them there for a few hours move them so it wouldn't destroy the entire thing but they'd eat a whole bunch of it and just move them around the field like this thing. Oh, it was really neat. But And it tasted really, really good. Uh, getting back, you know, you were talking about what tastes like chicken. Rabbit actually tastes like chicken. Like it's a white meat. Uh, the grain is just like a chicken breast. Like it's crazy. We had to do like rabbit tacos, rabbit stew, uh, barbecue rabbit. And it's so funny because like my wife got so good at killing and skinning them. <laughs> Like she could, we'd be getting ready for dinner in the afternoon. She's like, oh, I'll go get some rabbits. So she'd come, she'd bring three rabbits and she could kill and, and completely dress out three rabbits in about 15 minutes. <laughs> it's so funny. Just put a broom on their neck and pull their hind legs up towards you. And <laughs> it was crazy. But literally we'd, I don't know, a couple times a week we'd kill our food. It's like, you know, we're eating. It's like an hour ago, this thing was alive. <laughs> That's when we were like really focused on homesteading and, uh, you know, the simple living stuff, <laughs> growing and killing our own rabbits. I think at one point in time we had, I think with all the babies and stuff, we had like 70 rabbits running around here. And, uh, yeah. And then all the super snow white ones with the really weird red eyes creep me out. though. Yeah. That's what most of ours were. Yeah. Those are the, I did, and I, did. I had a, I didn't have, I know of. Uh, a food rabbit breed that's brown. Yeah, the yield isn't as good, but they're brown. And I'm like, yeah, that I can deal with that a lot better than that creepy white rabbit. Yeah, but I think the attack of the killer rabbits in Monty Python <laughs> screwed me up. Yeah, it's funny how those shows do it. Can't eh? Trust them. Yeah, I know. Um, but yeah, and and so obviously we got these ones from a, I had a, a farm that raised like food rabbits and stuff. But interesting, like I was listening to, uh, which I don't know, a couple months ago, the Meat Eater podcast. 
And they're talking about like, so this one guy shot a rabbit. They weren't going to eat it. They just shot it. And uh, when his kid, they're carrying it back and put it in the truck. And his kid walked by it and the claw just scratched the skin. Hardly drew any blood, right? Just like a little tiny scratch. Anyways, I guess it put this kid in the hospital for weeks because of these diseases that they carry and stuff. And, oh, I forget what they called them. They're rattling off all these different things that it could be. No, nysteria. No, I forget what it was. But, um, yeah, man, you can't, like, even around here, everybody's like, you do not eat rabbits. You don't shoot and eat rabbits. If you want to shoot them, just shoot them, but you don't eat them because they have so many diseases and parasites and, ugh. Well, the weirdest thing about, like, the disease I was talking about earlier in England, they gave it to the rabbits to try to control them. But wow. all it does now is make the babies prone to be born blind and flea infested. Not sure Ugh. how the flea infested works, but they all are. Wow. Um, and they're born blind and without the ability to uh, process food, basically. So after they're milked, they're dead. You know. Wow. Basically. That's crazy. It, it's a really... Um, I didn't really care enough to, you know, go to school and study the disease they created to give to the rabbits. But yeah, yeah. just the, it's enough to know. Yeah, we do this to our rabbits. So if you're gonna catch one, these are the things you look for. Don't eat it. Yeah. Um, and then I found out from uh, a girlfriend I had over there whose dad worked for a farm, and that's what he did was um, pest control and. Uh, he drop. He was like, "Yeah, we drop cyanide pellets down the rabbit hole." You do what? Wow! Yeah, in the ground where you grow the food. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How does this work? Um, yeah, and he would. Uh, uh, he'd bring home rabbit. Uh, he'd bring home food, basically. You know, he nick from the farmer he worked for. But yeah, yeah. But the rabbits, you know. Did, that's his job to kill him, but hmm. you find a little uh, warren that didn't have mixomatosis, and you slaught they'd slaughter it and uh, all the, the every rabbit in it, and then uh, divvy it up between the you know hmm. him and his cronies. Yeah, and then we'd have rabbit for two days. Pretty good, huh? Yeah, it is. It actually is. I like weird. It, it's weird having your own. Um raising meat rabbits but yeah it's it's interesting i think it's this whole like i know in europe it's a common thing right like rabbits on the menu you go oh, to yeah. a restaurant you can get a rabbit and and they farm raise rabbits absolutely over Can here i do it i don't know what it is about america and not doing that yeah i don't know i think we've uh, maybe it's the easter bunnies to blame <laughs> you know like we've we've made this one animal just so cute and cuddly you know it's like, oh, you can't eat a rabbit. That's disgusting. Well, why? Like, you're are you a vegetarian? Are you, no. You're vegan? No. So you eat beef? Yep. Chicken? Yep. Pork? Yep. Rabbits? No, that's disgusting. <laughs> okay. I mean, they're they're a clean animal. They're they're vegetarians. Like that, you know, they eat. You can feed them really wonderful lettuce, and they'll taste delicious. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Somebody's asking me that one day. How can you eat the Easter bunny? I said the Easter bunny. You mean the bunny that brings all the pork uh, boys and girls cavities and diabetes? Yeah. That's how I can eat him. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Super efficient way to raise food. I would like to get back to rabbits again, maybe. 
Maybe if I have a little more time sometime, which probably won't happen, but they were good. If if I could get Danette to try and like rabbit, um, I'd do it. Yeah. And it's not a lot of like, it's not, it doesn't take a lot of space and it's not physically demanding work. You know, like you get cattle and then you got to have good fences. And then if you ever want to move them, when you want to process them, it's, it's a chore. <laughs> you know, the thing weighs like, you know, six, seven times more than you do. And, oh, good luck holding it back. But rabbits are nice because I can reach in, grab a rabbit. And they were like, because you're, you're feeding them all the time. I think the thing that we had the hardest uh, time was in the winter. I think that's kind of why we stopped because in the winter we finally, they're, they're breeding on all through. And, but like when it's minus 20 outside and our, our whole hutch, our rabbit hutch was all exposed, which is fine for them. You know, we put all straw in there and they're hardy. They can withstand the cold. No problems. But, um... The water, like, you know, we'd, we'd warm water, put it into their little, we'd like the rabbit pet store feeders, you know, with a little metal tube and the ball. Yeah. And we could put that out there, but, man, it'd only stay liquid for like 10 minutes and then it'd freeze up. And then we'd, we were going out there, I don't know, 15, 20 times a day swapping those things out. And I'm like, this is a real pain in the butt. So I think that's kind of when we put an end to it. If we had an indoor space, like you can do it in a garage or a barn or something like that, that didn't freeze so bad. Um, yeah, they're, it's actually not a, not a lot of work, and uh, it's amazing how much meat you get. If you can look into their cute little beady eyes and crack their neck, <laughs> and skinning them is easy, like a dream. Like like dressing out a rabbit, I I bet we were doing them in two minutes. And under what, by the time we got really good, like just make them into a sock, <laughs> like just cut you know trim around the legs trim around and just pull whole thing comes you off you de-glove like a, the rabbit yeah exactly it's a de-gloving <laughs> and we had all these hides and i used to save them and i'd salt them and i'd you know put them inside out and all these stretchers and i remember looking one time i had like 20 rabbit hides sit, sitting there in my sea can and i'm like i'm not gonna and it's do so soft but yeah you, you gotta figure out what to do with it yeah i was like i and can make to myself test, you know how yeah, to preserve it yeah that. make myself some mittens <laughs> I, you know, I miss when I, Danette and I have talked about this before. Why don't you see it anymore? But rabbit's foot keychains. Yeah. You know, you used to be able to get a real rabbit's foot. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Who is it? What culture is it? Is that Italian or Chinese kind of where it came from? I don't know. I forget because, yeah, I remember as a kid, you go to Banff and you go to the souvenir shops and all souvenir shops had rabbit foot keychains. And it's funny, if you go look in the toolbox of my truck, the one that's that's in the back there, you open it up on the right side in a little tray, I've got two rabbit's feet. <laughs> it was from a rabbit I just shot. It was a field rabbit, and I skinned it, and I just chopped its feet. I thought, oh, this reminds me when I was a kid, so I saved them. And they're just, they've been in my truck for like three years now, <laughs> two rabbit's feet. <laughs> I didn't keep them for good luck because I don't believe in that crap. I kept yeah. it to scratch my nose, my head, you know. <laughs> Yeah, they were per- it's perfect for it. But yeah, yeah, that's um, funny. I uh, oh god, I had somebody who just hated my uh, hated it. It creeped them out, and this is again when we were little kids. But uh, uh, well, teenager, something anyway. Their hands were full. We couldn't put it down. We were doing something. I can't remember, and. Uh, Oh, my nose itches, my nose itches. Hang on, I'll get that. Pull my keychain out, scratch his <laughs> nose it. with my, like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> Started crying, like, you little baby. Yeah. 
hated Easter ever since. <laughs> he has night tremors at Easter time. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, so this weekend we got our big rodeo coming to town. Speaking of weird animal things, uh, they got the running of the bulls here in Strathmore. Just like the Calgary Stampede coming to an end, like the closing, or is this separate? Oh, this is totally separate, yeah. Uh, so so basically like rodeo season, and like every small town in Alberta pretty much has, every town, city has a rodeo at some point in the summertime. And they always try to line them up so that, you know, this weekend there's probably also three or four other rodeos. Uh, but Strathmore is actually a, a decent purse. Like there's a decent payout. Like Dodge Trucks is a major sponsor of this rodeo. Um, and then we've got truck wagon races the Dodge Professional Truck Wagon Racing Association. Uh, and this is one of their money stops. So, <clears throat> you know, like we have all the best cowboys. Like a lot of the guys, that they'll do Calgary Rodeo. Maybe they'll do a couple in the States. And then they'll come back and they'll do Strathmore. A lot of guys will be like, they'll ride Strathmore one day. And then, okay, I don't need to ride tomorrow because I got a good enough score to make it to the finals. Then they'll jump down to the States somewhere, ride a rodeo down there, and then come back for the finals here or something, right? So... You know, the announcers will let you know, and he just, just got off a plane, came from, he was in Lubbock, Texas at a rodeo and came back, you know, rode Friday, went to Lubbock Saturday, come back here on Sunday. And it's, I don't know what they do now with the Wuhan sniffles. Probably, I, I bet nobody cares now. <laughs> um, but, and so that's kind of how it is. Not not a lot of cowboys, some of the local cowboys, or if this is one they really want, or depends how much money they're trying to make, right? Some guys will come and they'll just ride here and stay all weekend and ride and then but yeah it's fun so they they got all the rodeo events and then uh chuck wagons this year the calgary stampede went but they didn't do chuck wagon racing which was kind of silly so there's another i think it was okotoks rodeo which is very close to calgary it's like 20 minute drive from the city they picked up their chuck wagon contract so basically you have to have like uh it's a half mile track dirt track Kind of like you'd you know they do horse racing at, and so they got chuck wagons. And the way it kind of started was you know they'd want to move camp and they'd see who could move camp the fastest. So they have these chuck wagons, four horses, one driver, and then two outriders. And the outriders are on horses and they have to be within a certain distance of the chuck wagon when it crosses the line, or else they get penalized. And when the horn goes off, they throw what is a barrel and a camp stove into the back of the chuck wagon. That's to signify taking up camp. They do a figure eight on the infield, like go around a barrel, around a barrel, and then they do their half mile loop. And uh, it's intense. It is a lot of fun to see. Um, so we're going to that tonight. And then the kids are, the, my boys are volunteering at the running of the bulls. So they get free tickets to the rodeo, chuck wagons, all that stuff. So yeah, what they do here is they bring in, you, you pay a hundred bucks and you, you put yourself into a, a ring. They make a little mini track and it's gated on both sides with the corral panels, six foot high corral panels. And then at one end, they've got a gate. And so once all the uh, contestants are standing there, then they'll open up the gate and they'll let in some of the livestock. And I think it's the bucking stock that they use. Um, so in, what was that, Papoa? Is that how you say it? Spain? Pampoa? I don't know, whatever that place is. I think they're a lot smaller bulls in Spain, but I think they're also a little bit wirier. They're a little bit more twitchy and... These are big bulls. Like these are like two thousand pound bulls running around, and uh, I don't know what the rule. I think the rule, the only rule, is that you have to always keep running in the same direction, and that's the way the bulls go. 
And so you're kind of writing and looking back and some people are brave. Like some people will uh, stand there and at the last second move away. I've seen guys stand there, a bull come right at them and they'll jump up and like put their their hands on the head of the bull and like throw themselves into the air. (laughs) But most people, as soon as a bull's like 10 feet from them, they literally just climb up on that corral panel or they'll jump right over top of it. (laughs) It's so funny, but they've been doing it for like, I don't know, 10, 15 years. And I don't know how many people I've seen hot off in a, in an ambulance. I don't, I don't know how they get away with doing it still, but it is good fun to watch. So I'd like to get some video footage of that. Maybe I'm going to send a, a GoPro with my boys cause they're volunteering, taking the panels, uh, you know, look, making the little track and then pulling it away right away. So that'd be fun. I, um, uh, I know the guy is actually, well, my sister-in-law's brother-in-law is, who, is the relation I have to him. Uh, he won it, I think, three years in a row. And I think when you win, you get $1,500 or something. Like, basically, you have judges on top of a, a big scissor lift in the middle. And, you know, they're all looking around. They'll Everybody has a number on, so they can kind of say, oh. And basically, the more interaction you have with the bulls, the, the better <laughs> your score is. And you could actually win the purse. And so... Uh, two or three years he won, and he said, "All it does you go there, you go to the hospital, get your stitches, and because uh, every time he got cut up pretty bad, get stitches, whatever." One when year he broke his arm, got his cast, and then he took the money, went to the bar, and <laughs> bought everybody rounds until the money was gone. <laughs> it's like there you go, good annual tradition. <laughs> but yeah, that's pretty cool. And so some guys like every now and then you'll get guys that are very athletic, like just phenomenally quick on their feet and they're smart they'll wear like football cleats or soccer cleats and man these guys will run they'll go there'll be two bulls kind of you know cruising along and they'll actually run in between the bulls like twice as fast the bulls are going to see if he can get them to the bulls attention you know and it some of these guys are amazing it's really interesting to watch but there's so much going on when you're watching it in stands you got to really pay attention and then you kind of hope you can okay who's the athletic looking one and you keep your eyes on that person and then hopefully they're not just an athletic coward but they've actually got some gonads you know they're <laughs> actually willing to tangle tangle with the bulls a bit it's fun it's crazy so, yeah, i don't it's... know i don't know i think there's something mentally deficient with a person <laughs> that's going to yeah. Oh, let me go in there and antagonize not just one 2,000-pound ball of evil, you know, a hundred of them. Yeah. And they they bring them in waves, too. So they have one running of the bulls per night. So that group of athletes that gets in there, we'll call them athletes, uh, they go and they'll let in about 20 bulls. And they'll let those bulls run for about five minutes. After five minutes, the bulls are done. They're bored. They'll, They'll exit and they'll bring in another batch and sometimes they'll bring in three different herds of these bulls and a lot of times they'll save the real wiry ones till the end and they'll announce it and it's it's funny because the song they always start with is uh eminem lose was that lose yourself or whatever you know that song boom, boom. yeah it, yeah every single year that they just crank that and it's that very fitting it actually kind of fits the whole mood and it's like kind of nervous it makes everybody edgy nervous and it's like this is it and then at the end, they'll usually announce, and this is the, you know, if you thought those bulls were crazy, watch out for these ones. And they'll come out charging, like just a much more rank group of bulls. And, the, oh, man, it's crazy. That's yeah, fun. The last uh, rodeo I went to was in Montana. 
back in the uh, mid nineties and uh, the, the bull riding really fascinated me and uh, the guy at the ranch that we would volunteer, you know, work at and stuff. He was, he knew everybody there and uh, he was like, yeah, come on. I'll, you know, show you this guys, how it really works and blah, blah. Got something you'll find interesting. Cause first, one of the first things I asked him is, you know, the, the bull looks irritated and angry and, you know, I don't want to be here when they're trying to put him in the chute. Right. Yeah. Then he comes out of that chute. Like, you know, you kicked his dog. Yeah. Um, and I'm like, what do they do? You know? Yeah. Come here. I'll show you. Come here. I'll show you. Come here, I'll show you. Now I don't think they do this anymore. And I don't think they did this on every rodeo circuit, but I know at this rodeo they did. Um, they had a taser and they tased the <laughs> bull right in the jewels. <laughs> That's how you get semen from a bull. <laughs> oh no. Well, you stick that electrode vibrator in the bull's butt. Yeah. Um, put it on his prostate and just milk the bull. But yeah, no, they, this is, you know, it was a hand taser and yeah. just right on his junk. <laughs> yeah. Of course he's going to be mad. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah, I don't. I know they don't do that anymore. Uh, animal rights people would flip out, but they breed them for their rankness, right? Like you, you find a real nasty. If you got a real cantankerous bull, you can call these different stock, like uh, different companies here, Bolds Rodeo Stock and Goulds, and all these different guys. Um, and it's like, dude, I got this mean bull. Like this sucker hates everyone. To be like, okay, let, we'll come have a look. And if it's a good rank bull, he's worth a lot of money and they'll be like, and they'll breed them and they'll come up with all these lines. And, and if you follow professional rodeo at all, you, you know, that like the, the bulls become kind of celebritized as well. Right. Oh, like, yeah. you know, like this is, uh, the son of this bull. And even like, I've been watching rodeo ever since I was a little kid and I'm not into it enough where I could tell you all the lineage, but when I see a bull based on its name, I'm like, oh, okay. I remember watching that bull's mom or, or dad, whatever. I remember seeing that bull's lineage, you know, years ago. And it, it all kind of, the, the way they name, the naming convention always kind of follows, so you can kind of trace it throughout, uh, generally speaking. But yeah, it's it's crazy. It's a it's a big money thing, you know. Those bulls are worth a, a lot of money, especially oh, yeah. Calgary Stampede. What, what do they win? Is it half a million dollars when you win the the first prize bull riding and rope everything like that. I think in Strathmore, I think it's a hundred thousand dollar purse. So, and that's a big thing too. The, uh, the, the bull riders, it's all a draw, right? So you kind of, whatever your time is, whatever your rank is, how long you stay on. And then based on that, it's like, okay, you can have the, you get the first draw. And so the first guy will draw and that's the bull he has. Next guy draws. That's the bull he has. That's how it is. And you know, you can be a good rider and you get a poor bull. It's like, oh, bummer, you know, but if you're a mediocre rider and you get a really good bull and he, and it's always funny, like the bull has to ride a certain way for the points to score in your favor too. It's, it's totally, it's really weird. It's like its own sport. And when, when you actually get into it, it's kind of interesting, but. I saw, um, you were talking about the Calgary Stampede last week. Yep. And I was scrolling through, uh, TV, um, one evening and there's a rodeo channel on dish and it had, they were covering the Calgary stampede. Well, the same channel earlier this week had a series of 
30-minute biographies on the bull. Not the bull riders, oh, wow. the bull. <laughs> and uh, like this one bull in the early to mid-2000s was like the meanest bull. He had the uh, – they didn't expect him to be that way because he was from a more not-so-angry lineage. Was his name But Rocket? he turns out he's just insane, right? Yeah. It wasn't Rocket and, something, was it? I don't know. I, I can't uh, remember the name. Yeah. What fascinated me about it, though, is the biography spent a lot of time talking about all the cowboys this thing mauled and crippled. Wow. And they, and they were on there, yeah, I was on the bull, you know, I was feeling really good that night. And, you know, I stayed on it for two and a half seconds before he crushed my spine. Yeah. Really? Yeah. It's not um, taco meat yet. Yeah. No, no. Oh, no. Um, Apparently, the more cowboys it cripples, the better it is. Yeah, the more money it's worth. Yeah, my boys wanted to get into bull riding. Like, like for about a year and a half, they, that's all they wanted to do. And I, was, I had to tell them all the time, you are not, you're too intelligent to waste your life riding bulls. Like, I'm not joking. Yes, I don't mind you getting some thrills. Get a dirt bike, right? Do some jumps. Do, I said, the thing with the bull is you have no control. None whatsoever. You can be the best athlete on earth. You're in his world. And it, stuff happens so fast that you can't react to it. I don't know how many guys I've seen just destroy. Like with my own eyes, I was there. I've probably seen 20 people knocked out, hauled off on a stretcher. Like like actually watched in person. Because I've watched a lot. Of, rodeo is my thing. Like I watch rodeo. It's what I've always done as a kid. And... uh yeah, I'm like, no, I will not let you. I said, well, you live in my house. You will never, ever ride a bull. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, you're, you're way too smart to just throw it all away like that. That That's like playing Russian roulette in my mind, you know. You know, if, if I pull this trigger and it doesn't go boom, I get a million dollars. Yeah, sure, you can make some money. But what if it does go boom? It's all over, <laughs> you know. The, the reward is not quite worth the risk, in my opinion. crazy stuff yeah i'm excited yep. we got uh <clears throat> it was a rodeo and then it got the big parade and uh the one thing i was thinking though it always seems to me every year that as soon as the rodeo's over it always kind of signifies the the wind down of summertime and it's like oh summer's over kind of bummed about that although Usually around this time of year, we start getting some real weird thunderstorms, and we need it because we are like dry as a bone, man. It is so dry here. Our county, almost every county in Alberta, I think, has declared an we're an agriculture emergency. Uh, I, I think the yield this year they're going to say is about ten percent of what it normally is. Good night. Oh yeah, all over. You know this this one YouTube channel, Canadian Prepper. I, I was watching them. I, I don't I don't watch a lot of prepper stuff. Like this may be the one video of his I've seen in a year and of any prepper video really, but he was talking, I don't know why he talked about like why you shouldn't, why you need to buy, start buying food. And it's not because of COVID. And I'm like, Oh, this just enough to pique my interest. And he says, you know what? We're on the brink of another dust bowl. You know, the, the dirty thirties, he said, things are so dry. And you look at the moisture levels across North America are at, there's lows they've ever been. I think since the forties, they've never been this low before. I said, if this continues, and it's true, like like right now, people don't know what's going to happen with the beef market because there's no there's no hay for the, the beef, right? And so what might end up happening is there 
might just be a big uh, kill off, right? They're like, well, we can't afford to, we don't have food and we can't afford to buy food to feed these, these animals. So we're just going to do, you know, butcher everything. And then that would drop the price of, they say beef might just go super low and which would be awesome because man, <laughs> I have steaks for lunch and supper every day. Um, but you know, then, then what happens after that? Okay. So now if it, you know, in a year or two, if moisture levels go back again, now all of a sudden we've got small herds and we got to build those up. So I don't know. It's weird, but. If it drops um, and it, and, it, and it's a North American thing, which it would be, um, I, I would buy two or two more stand-up freezers and, <laughs> you know, beef drops to, you know, that's, that's exactly super low. Stephen I said. Buy a crap load of it. Yeah. It's funny because Steph and I said the exact same thing. We said literally, if, if beef prices just tank, I like because we've got one stand up freezer in our basement, and then we've got a uh, a normal sized fridge and freezer in our basement. Um, obviously, we got like you know a lot of people. We buy a lot of food at once, and then we've got our fridge upstairs. But we said if beef drops, we will literally buy two more freezers, big stand up freezers. And if I need to add more circuits to plug them into, I don't care. We're gonna we're gonna load those suckers up, man. Beef for every meal. I'll get one of those professional, not one of those stupid homeowner things, but a professional vacuum sealing machine. Yeah. So nothing gets freezer burnt and I'll just, you know. Oh, yeah. Steak. Bada bing, bada boom. Yeah. Steak and eggs. You can have a steak sandwich and then a nice tea. Oh, no, you wait till beef's up there at $4 a pound next year and resell it at the flea market or something. (laughs) The flea market, (laughs) yeah. Flea free beef at the flea market. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this was commercially vacuum packed. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying. Oh, yeah, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. And though we buy, uh, when, see, when we buy our steak, we'll buy like a whole uh, sirloin uh, from Costco. And then we just cut it into like inch and a half, two inch thick steaks. And it, I mean, you pay like 150, 160 bucks for this big old sirloin roast, basically. But, you know, it's exactly what the butchers do. Butchers take this cut of meat and turn it into steak. So we just do it ourselves, and man, we save a lot of money on steak. Well, yeah, I mean, two years in a row, we didn't this year. I don't know why. Um, I asked her to, but Jeanette will buy a whole ribeye, an yeah. entire rib, and uh, I'll cut, you know, 14, 15, 16 steaks out of it that are really good, you know, two-inch thick. Yeah. And it turns out, you know, you're – Steaks are about a third or less yeah. of what their normal cost would be. Yeah, it's a big layout, $175, $200. Yeah. But you're only spending, you know, $9 on a two-inch thick ribeye. Yeah. Rib in. Yeah. But anyway. Yeah, no, that's totally the way to go. I understand a lot of people can't do it, but come on. Yeah. You know, just skip a week of Budweiser and you can do yeah. it. Yeah, or, or cigarettes. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 The price of cigarettes today, you skip a day. Yeah. How anybody smokes today, I don't know. They're so expensive. What are they in the States? I don't even know what they are here anymore. I just saw a regular Marlboro Red is seven and change <sighs> a pack. Wow. Because that's 20 cigarettes in a pack, right, there? Yeah. I remember when I was smoking, like, as a teenager... Uh, I'd go to the States and you could buy certain, I think camels were like a dollar oh nine or something for 20 cigarettes. And at that time, our, our, I think ours are mostly, 
I think they're 20 now, but they used to always be 25 cigarettes in a pack. I don't know why, but they were. But I think at the time, I was paying 17 bucks for like the Morier uh, king size here. And I'm like, I'm paying 17 bucks for 25. You go down to the States and it's like a dollar nine for 20. I'm like, oh, this is the best. <laughs> but wow, they've gone up seven times since then. That's when nice. I When I started smoking, um, I know I'm old, but anyway, uh, when I joined the Air Force and I could buy cigarettes at the commissary, it was $4.49 a carton. Oh, wow. How many is a carton? Uh, 10 packs. Oh, wow. So I was spending <laughs> basically 40 cents for a pack of smokes. Wow. Um, now, if I wanted, you know, those are generic uh, menthol. If I wanted my Marlboro menthols or my Marlboro Light menthols, um, probably about $7 a carton. Hmm. But Still cheap. I, I think we quit smoking. Yeah, I quit in 2003. And Danette quit a couple years after that. Um, I mean, that was the second and final time I quit. But uh, I can't remember. But cost was involved with it, you know, mm-hmm. even back then. Yeah. Because, you know, oh, you know, whatever it was, say 20 bucks a carton. That's stupid. And now it's 70 or more. Yeah. That is el stupido yeah. Um, in in the states, is it all taxed? Is it all taxes yeah. that makes it so expensive? Every bit. Yeah. Which I, you know, I think as long as that money goes to like healthcare, like I think that if you choose to smoke, you should be pay a massive healthcare tax because they're they are a tax on the system, right? But it it's hurting you. What do you mean? Here's what I mean. When, when you smoke, if, no matter what you do to yourself, yeah, you're doing it yourself. Yeah. If you get sick. You better be able to afford to pay for your own health care or you die. That's the way it should be. And I'll argue that with anybody. I shouldn't pay for Bobby's freaking health care because he's a moron and smokes. Yeah, 100%. And and every time there's a tax, like gasoline, cigarettes, yard rakes, whatever it is, it gets misused. Yeah. You know, most of the school tax that we paid – didn't go to schools. Yeah. And you pay those school taxes whether or not you have kids in school. Right? It, well, that I understand because it's for the betterment of society, allegedly. Yeah, I, so, I, I, yeah everybody has to pay for public education I through know. tax. I get it. I don't agree with it, but I get it. I won't. That'll be the last thing I argue. But yeah. um, now I don't agree with child tax credits at all. I think yeah. if Todd and Jeremy have the exact same job. We work side by side and we both get $10 an hour. Yep. You only have the kids you can pay for just because Jeremy has five kids and Todd has none. Doesn't mean Todd has to pay more taxes. Yeah. That's stupid, unfair, and should be illegal. And I, and under the pure form of our constitution is illegal. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. And um, King Todd would get murdered the first day of his reign because of the stuff I would do. Oh, no more tile checks, credit, flat tax, don't care. And then they'd yeah. assassinate me. Cause I'm- <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know. It's it's crazy. and Yeah. 
you know, like we're getting taxed like crazy on our gasoline right now. Um, oh yeah, I, our our gas has gone up a buck a gallon, hmm. and so, just taxes, not the effect of the pipeline closing or anything like that. Just tax. Yeah, since yeah. old Puddinghead took over. Yeah, well, this is all uh, ours. Are all from Justine Trudy, and people are saying that he wants it to be three dollars a liter of gasoline. Which I think roughly would convert to about twelve bucks a gallon. It's insane. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And then, okay, no more gasoline-powered vehicles, fossil fuel-powered vehicles can be sold in Canada after twenty thirty-five or whatever. Twenty thirty, twenty thirty-five, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Um, when are you going to perfect electric vehicles, dumbass? Yeah. Yeah. No you, kidding. The technology doesn't. It can't catch up in ten years. Yeah. It well, can't. And- and, and it's when, not sustainable. No. And then what about this? Okay, what about transportation, right? Massive amounts of pollution from uh, vehicles is transporting goods. And that's like uh, clear shots across the country, right? You go from a port city to Calgary, bringing things to Walmart, to Safeways, to this. Trucks, 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 trucks. Okay. And people don't want to, if we could just wait for a couple extra days for everything. And go back to having more trains, mm-hmm. we would spend a ton of less fuel than having semis everywhere. Yeah. And it, it just is. Yeah. And then for your local depots, right, when the train gets there and they unload the goods, you can have um, natural gas, liquid petroleum uh, powered forklifts, which are way more fuel efficient, right? Yeah. Or just fully electric, whatever. Mm-hmm. And then you can have EV vehicle delivery vehicles because they're local. They mm-hmm. can charge every night. Yeah. Okay, but now how are you going to make the electricity? Exactly. Um, okay, I'm waiting there. Uh, not, I'm not talking to Jeremy. You know, talking to the politicians. And the sign, uh, how are you going to make the electricity? Yeah. Because if you go dollar for dollar, pollutant, Versus pollutant, coal is still the cleanest we have yeah. technologically. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. Sorry, people, it's just a fact. Um, and I, I won't include nuclear because while we should be going that way, no one will. Yeah, you know, um, Finland has figured out. Uh, about the cleanest, safest nuclear power there can be, given our technology, but no one else is going to use it. Hmm. Yeah, and I think that's the biggest misconception is that it well, it's all agenda based, right? Somebody wants to move to a certain thing because they have an interest, or uh, you know, their support comes from an interest group in a certain area. And then they label it as a green energy or the green initiative or carbon, you know, tax or carbon footprint. It's like, here's the thing. <laughs> Every single thing you do on earth uses energy. It doesn't matter what type of energy. It's energy that's being consumed and it's it's got a cost to it, right? It, it's harming the environment. If you want to be like carbon neutral, everybody says carbon neutral. Well, then you literally go walk out into the middle of a field and you sit there and you die and you are carbon neutral, right? Yep. No, 
you know, even if you say, hey, I'm just going to sit in this field and eat grass now. Well, technically, you're, you're, that grass was growing there, and it would just live and die its normal life cycle. And now you're impeding that. You're interfering with what nature would have. So for you to sustain yourself on Earth, there is an impact. But not all impact has to be bad. Why don't we just say, hey, wait a minute. Let's, let's take down all these stupid sections of Walmart that sell useless crap, right? These stupid toys for these stupid little bratty kids that cry every time their parents won't get it for them. And they lay on the floor and scream it until their mom finally grabs it for them, okay? That is an environmental travesty. That kid is polluting the world. That is the problem. Greta should be yelling at that kid and say, how dare you, right? Let's say, hey, wait a minute. You know what? Instead of buying all this cheap crap, or the cheapest version of this thing that I know isn't going to last very long. Maybe I'm going to save up for an extra paycheck or two and buy the real good version that's going to last me for five or ten years, right? Yeah, I'll use an example. I have a $400 Filson jacket. It's handmade in Washington in the United States of America. It's 100% wool from the United States, and it was 400 bucks. But... In 20 years, I'll still be wearing that jacket and it will still be serving me just as well then as it has. Uh, I've had it for six years now, I think, five or six years. Yeah. And instead of me being like, hey, I'm just going to go buy the latest Canada Goose or, or whatever these expensive brands are that are in trend for like, I'm not buying this for trends. It might be trendy now. It's not going to be in five years or maybe two years, but I'm going to still wear it. And that, to me, is environmental responsibility because I'm lessening the the stuff that I consume. No, Buying a brand new car. One of the one of the best things that we can do to stop pollution. I'll just say pollution. You know what I mean? Waste yeah. pollution, not green. Uh, that we can do on Earth is get rid of disposable diapers. Yeah. It'll never happen. No. Because people are freaking lazy. Now, in my first marriage, when I was raising a child, we used cloth diapers. Yeah. One, we couldn't afford pampers. I was so poor, it was pathetic. Um, the pampers were more expensive than my cigarettes. Um, <laughs> just saying. And I didn't drink, so, you know. Anyway. So we used cloth diapers. Yeah. It was a pain in the butt. It is a pain in the butt. But it's better for the planet. It's also better for the baby. Absolutely. Um, but, you know, I have forgot the numbers, uh, but it always stuck with me that, you know, people were arguing. Uh, it was a kind of like a town hall setting, but it was all scientists, and it was at Harvard. And I wasn't there. I watched a video of it later, at least part of it. And it was all about, you know, green pollution, whatever. And this is in the early 90s. And somebody said, oh, we need this. Oh, we need that. Oh, we need. And then, then this guy got up, this Indian guy, and said, uh, the Number one, instant today effect we can have on the environment to stop using disposable diapers. And everybody's like, and he proved it. Yeah. Um, And, and 
because a lot of that stuff, if not all, a lot of it is petroleum based. You just stop using it, and this was in let's say it's ninety ninety. It was a little bit later, but let's say nineteen ninety. And he was saying, if you just stop today, it would extend the amount of petroleum we have, unfortunately, to still use fossil fuel vehicles long enough to perfect EVs. Because mm-hmm. he was saying, we won't have um, trying to extrapolate technology and education and resources and whatever. He said, we won't have uh, the technology for batteries and electric motors to be sustainable for daily use for everybody until like 2100. Yeah. I mean, I'm like, wow, that's a long time. Mm -hmm. Because the batteries we have now, they're not, you know, they have what, a 20 year life or less. And they're horrible. Like the Prius vehicles. And there's nothing you can do with them. No. They're not recyclable. And they're horrible um, to mine. Like they're an environmental <laughs> Trudeau is strip mining Canada. That's for sure. Yeah, and, and all, sending all it all world. to China. Yeah, yeah, and even ethically, like where you know people drive around these Teslas, where Tesla gets their batteries from. I mean, they they have child workers there, and they pay them nothing, mm-hmm. and they work in these open pit mines, and it's just like, yeah. oh, the the working conditions are horrible. And, and the plant, and at least one of the plants. That they don't even make the batteries; they refine one of the n- raw materials into the chemical for the battery. Yeah, it puts more pollution in the air than every fossil fuel vehicle in that country operating at the same time. Wow! Yeah, yeah, and it's green. It's the green solution. <laughs> oh yeah, it's so green! Oh my god! And then they had to build hundreds and hundreds of diesel fuel tankers to, you know, move all this stuff all around the world. Yeah. That wouldn't normally have to be built, you know. Oh my God, people, come on. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the wind so... turbines, we talked about that. Yeah. Uh, we don't have green energy right now. We don't. No. That makes sense. Other than other than solar and nuclear and we're not there yet. Like, we can't make carbon neutral uh, solar panels. No. I think in an, if we really focused on it, I think one of the uh, quote-unquote experts that has a, this, um, the resume to be believable, because he's not out there saying, this is the only solution, you know, pay me, pay me. You know, he's saying, based on what we got, this uses less natural resources. We're killing less of the earth. And if we focus on it, maybe in 10 or 15 years, we'll be harnessing enough of the energy that's freely available to the universe to actually make sense. Yeah. 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 I know. But, but they, you know, politicians... Like I say, it's agenda-based, and they put a spin on it, and they give it some clever names, and <laughs> the the public, you all right? Oh, somebody snuck up on me and scared me. <laughs> I was like, the snake got in. <laughs> the snake got in. 
Yeah, it's crazy. No, I think I just sounded like Danette when she saw the snake. That's funny. Uh, you know, interesting talking about cloth diapers, though. There's actually a movement to go back to that. Maybe it's actually not it, interesting, but I thought be. it was. <laughs> yeah. So we I mean, use There cloth should be diapers. as much uproar about um, Pampers as there is about uh, the Wuhan sniffles. Yeah. Well, nobody was going to talk about that because we're all, we're, all, we're all sheeple, right? Um, you know, so we had, I think with uh, Kobe, our first You know that son, word? That word sheeple. got somebody cancel cultured this week? Who? I have no clue. Um, I saw it on a on a Crowder headline. Oh, really? And I don't follow Crowder, but I saw it on one of his headlines, and I read the little blurb, and somebody was on a – he worked for, uh, like – ESPN or Fox Sports or something, right? Yeah. And he just said, you know, oh, people that believe in this. And he wasn't even talking about something like Wuhan. It was something about sports. Yeah. And he called some people sheeple, and he got fired for uh, it. <laughs> yeah, everybody's feelers. Well, what was funny to... was when they fired him, if you read the news, the news release about firing him, they weren't saying he was wrong <laughs> Yeah. about the group of people. It was just saying, yeah, you know, people don't like the word, so we're firing him. Yeah. Yeah, I would say if somebody is really offended by the word sheeple, that's because they're a sheeple. <laughs> um, yeah. I, uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, back to the diaper thing. I don't know why I want to keep going. <laughs> going here but so with Kobe we had disposable diapers and then after that Steph was looking into it and we probably did it more maybe it was for environment I'm not an environmentalist but I am very conscious like I'm not an environmental activist but I do make decisions that I think are wise I try to consume as less as little as I can uh you know blah 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 but also I think health reasons there's big health benefits to it and here's the weird thing is that started doing it and nobody we knew did it then. And Steph would have to find these little boutique shops that made cloth diapers and most of them were handmade in the state somewhere, uh, you know, something like Etsy. And then you'd, you'd have the cloth diaper and then they had the outer shield that you could put on and a little bit more of a hassle. Yes. But once you're set up for it, like, you know, we had a special bag that we carried in our diaper bag that was uh, like a dry bag basically. So when you take a soiled or dirty diaper, uh, in if you're out at a mall, you know, I mean, what are you going to do with this? So put it in there and you can deal with it at home, right? And we had a special station for dealing with the stuff. And But then it was way better for the kid's skin. And part of the thing, too, is that it, parents are lazy. <laughs> and you get these diapers and it's like, kid can piss in it all day long. And ultimately, you're not, it's not a big deal. Now, it's still going to cause irritation for the kid but the parents don't know and it doesn't inconvenience the parents right you can pick your baby up and you're not getting soaked with piss you know um but we did that and, and eventually we ended up getting like bamboo cloth diapers because they were more hypoallergenic or whatever they, they they were better for germs weird thing that's the weird thing about this whole thing that i'm trying to get to is that when we were done and our kids were out of diapers which by the way i think <laughs> if your kid can walk and they're in diapers, there's something wrong with your parenting. I know that might sound extreme, but dude, man, they see like four and five-year-olds still in diapers. I'm like, your parents are lazy. And there's no other way to say it. And that's not even being mean. But um, kids are done in diapers. All of our kids were potty trained by the time they were one. Like by the time their first birthday came, they were not wearing diapers. And it's because children are intelligent and parents are lazy. But if the 
parent realize that this kid's intelligent, I'm going to put a little bit of work in right now, then you know what? I'm not dealing with man-sized poop in a diaper. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I always say, once, it, once a kid's poop looks like my poop, that's when he needs to be in a toilet, man, because I ain't dealing with this stuff anymore. Nothing wrong with holding your kid up there and wiping his bum, you know, when he's one year old. He can't wipe his own bum. You got to do that still, but sure, better than dealing with a whole fistful of crap. Uh, but anyways... Well, Building back up. Having a four-year-old walking around in diapers is just lazy on the parent. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And Unless there's a special reason, like the child's handicap, mentally or physically, it's just lazy. Yeah. So we got all this stuff, and by the time we – so we had three kids in cloth diapers, never had disposables on them. And when we were done, we had a nice collection of – cloth diapers and there's the ways that you wash them there's certain solutions that sanitize we're like what yeah. are we going to do with all these diapers we got a lot of diapers and so we thought so stuff was looking into it and, and people sell used cloth diapers yeah we put them on uh like a local online classified and we sold them for a very pretty i think everything that we had was like 200 250 bucks and they were gone within 10 minutes and people were begging us please please i'll take them i'll come right now i'm like you kidding me? And we said one. We don't want to split it up ev- by everything. Man, I was shocked because I thought we were just some like outliers doing this weird cloth diaper thing. But apparently, it's it's kind of making a comeback. I guess like a lot of things, you know, people want to be a little bit more conscious, and um, I think there's a kind of a general movement where people are like, yeah, I'm gonna buy old, you know, handmade things. I'm gonna learn how to cook. I'm gonna learn how to make my own bread. And then you got just after those people are the people that just virtue signal, right? They're like, oh, I'm just a hipster. And yeah, it's funny. Well, I know people that, um, and they disgust me, by the way, that they bought cloth diapers. They take a picture of it on, put it on uh, social media. <laughs> yeah. And they use pampers in real life. Yeah, virtue signaling, yeah. They're... <laughs> You know what I'm going to do, though, Todd? This might disgust you. I think it's going to be fun. I might kind of take up, print up my fake vaccine card and, and like everybody does, just cover up my name and say, like, got my second dose. Yeah. Because <laughs> everyone knows that you can't get the COVID vaccine and not post about it on social media. <laughs> I think that's the terms and conditions for it to be effective. You have to share it on social media. So I figure I can, I can virtual signal just with them, too. That's I only funny. posted that Danette and I got our vaccine to anger one of my relatives. Yeah. That's it's funny. so funny. They're all anti-vaxxers. They're, um, well, that particular faction of the family, all anti-vaxxers, blah, blah, blah. You know where they go when they get sick? Right to the hospital. Right to the hospital. They go more than I do. Yeah. And I'm like, your reasoning makes no sense. Yeah. You know, the same doctors, in air quotes, and scientists, in air quotes, that you don't believe about COVID are the ones you go to the hospital for. Exactly. Just saying. Yep. And I'm not an anti-vaxxer. one of them got COVID uh, and was in the hospital and still doesn't understand. Hmm. Ah. Yeah. You know, like I am not by any means an anti-vaxxer. Like I've all the other vaccines, I'm up to date, right? I'm just kind of like, okay, you know, 
will I eventually get the COVID if if they can if it can meet all the testing criteria that every other vaccine that I have that I have had has met? Then yes, then I will get it. But it hasn't yet, and and that's a fact of the matter. And you know what? Honestly, I don't. It probably doesn't make a difference. But I'm also kind of like I'm pretty sure I'm not going to get sick. I think I had COVID. Uh, maybe I did. Maybe I didn't. It doesn't matter either way. I don't feel that I'm going to be any safer by getting the vaccine. Oh, no, I think when I got, uh, I either had COVID or the vaccine did it. Because, you know, uh, one of the side effects of any vaccine is side effects, right? Yeah. You just don't know. Yeah. And it's dependent upon the person. Mm-hmm. But ever ever since uh, March-ish of this year, I've had on and off breathing chest pains. Mm-hmm. You know what? It's a thing. You can step off the porch and, and tear your ACL, and then yep. you have a bad knee until you have surgery. Or, you know, like me, you, you just bitch about it for the next 20 years. Um, it's a thing. Just deal with it, people. It's life. Mm-hmm. Um, the same people, to me, that are making such a big deal out of uh, all this mess are the same people that don't see a big deal with STDs. Mm-hmm. Well, I think it's a big deal. I was thinking about that. Like, you don't I think it's a, I think promiscuity is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Um, I really do. Uh, and a lot of the failed marriages I've seen have been people that were overly promiscuous prior. And they get bored, and then they move on, because uh, they. It, it's just one of the symptoms, you know. Yeah. It's like uh, every failed marriage I had, I, I not. Oh God, that was Freud. Ugh. <laughs> um, the one failed marriage I had, and every failed marriage I've seen, have things in common. Now, not all of them are all of them, but all of them have, a series of things in common amongst them, you know, intermixed. Some are lack of religion. Some are promiscuity. Some are alcohol. Some are violence, you know. Some are a mixture of all of those things or some of those things. Mm-hmm. But all of them have those things, you know, amongst them. Mm-hmm. The two biggest ones, I believe, are lack of <coughs> true religion and promiscuity. Yeah. No, 100%. Hundred percent, and um, yeah, it's it's a it's a whole big and not topic. Marrying your best friend, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and all people like I I don't get it. Like I just man, it's the like over half of the people over half marriages end in divorce, and I'm like, how can that be? And then you look now, it's such a rare thing to get married, and then move in together, right? And people are like, oh, i got to test the waters. It's like, well, okay, go ahead. Let's just see how that's working for you, you know? Uh, I always think that, um, you know, if if a woman is going to give herself to a man that isn't fully committed to her, she doesn't deserve much. I'm sorry. Uh, if she doesn't have enough respect for herself to say, no, once we're married, then you get to enjoy me. If she doesn't care about herself that much, well, cool. You know, I've got so many, everybody knows everybody that, that's, you know, I've got a cousin who has, I think, five kids with five different men. 
And I don't feel bad for her. I feel bad for her kids. Uh, I mean, they're the product of poor decisions. They're a product of sin. But for her, I'm sorry. You did this to yourself. And you keep doing it to yourself. Enjoy your craptastic life. I'll take the other side. I agree with you 100%. But I'll take the other side um, just for the sake of the show. Um, guys that, you know, sleep around before marriage are just as bad. Oh, yeah. They're the other side of the same coin because um, they're not only, quote, unquote, ruining those girls, um, they're showing a lack of respect for all mm-hmm. females. Yeah. They're showing a lack of understanding of what they should be doing as a man. And, you know, no matter how uh, big or strong or successful they are in womanizing, I don't think they're a man. Yeah, that's true. Just don't. They're males. Um, And I got married young. I got married to the wrong person. She got married to the wrong person. We knew that eventually moved on, right? Um, I finally made the decision to move on when, you know, I came home and she was in bed with my supervisor. But, you know, sometimes it takes a lot to wake us up. Anyway, um, in between, after I got divorced, there was a whole two-year period before I even asked somebody out for a date because um, it wasn't important to me, mm. you know, trying to get my, uh, trying to mature uh, as what I think I was a man. Um, education, religion, just mature, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like Dick Cheney said, you got to know what you don't know. Mm-hmm. You got to know what you know and know what you don't know. Yeah. And I had, I took him, you know, I had a mentor that came out of nowhere right about the time I got divorced. I think God sent him and he was like, Hey, you know, don't look at it as a failure. Even if it is, don't look at it like that. Look at it as an opportunity mm-hmm. to, you know, have some, true introspection and find out what's wrong with you. Yeah. Find out what, how to fix it. Find out what's missing. Oh, mm-hmm. and by the way, here's where you do that. It's called church. Yeah. You know, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. And then, <clears throat> I mean, obviously it's like, I, you would never totally put the blame on the women for those, those things. I don't, but uh, there's a sense where, um, I agree. You know, if you have a strong woman and a strong man, uh, ideally, they would get married and then move in together, and then they can enjoy the physical intimacy as it was intended to be. Um, but in say, just take the average good-hearted young man and the average good-hearted young woman. I, I think, and I, I, I don't want to. I think the woman has more power in that situation. If she like, I think it's harder for the man to say no, right? And and maybe I'm wrong because that's a woman, but. I think w- girls sometimes are like, oh, he's he's going to leave me if I just won't let him do what he wants to do. Or, and, and out of fear and out of a lack of respect for herself, like my number one thing to instill my daughter is that she is pure gold. She is 100% everything. And if anybody doesn't doesn't understand that, isn't willing to earn that, they're not worth it. Like she can accept absolutely nothing but second place. I told her when I was little, I said, 
I said, Ava, you need to pick your boyfriends very carefully. She said, why? I said, because the first three of them I'm going to shoot. <laughs> I said, I don't care who they are. I'm just going to shoot them. And then there's going to be a reputation that, boy, their dad's a little wingnut. And if you come around, he's going to shoot you in the face. <laughs> and I'm like, because nobody's good enough. Like, nobody's good enough for her yet. And I, I haven't found anyone. And, and honestly, like, my job as her, as, as her dad is to protect her and to treat her the way that I would want her husband to treat her with utmost respect and compassion. And, uh, and I do treat my daughter different than I treat my sons because she's a girl. My sons are boys. She's going to be a woman. My sons are going to be men. I don't want men to act like women and women to act like men. I treat her differently. Right. And, and I call her my special princess. And I, I remember we were at cadets and I said, Oh yeah, I, I took my daughter out for uh, breakfast or something like that. And I, I said, my little princess. And they're like, Oh, don't ever let her say, I said, I call her that all the time. Like, Oh, she's going to be, I'm like, no, she is my princess. Like, that's how I think of her. And if she thinks of herself as, as that, well, then hopefully, you know what, she'll actually have some self-respect and she'll say, no, I'm sorry. I'm not interested in this. If this is what you think a relationship is, it's not good enough for me. I'm a princess later. Only the, only the finest on earth will ever get me right? Like we'll ever be able to have my heart. And, and that's what I'm trying to train in her. Now, obviously I, I, I want, I want to train something very different. I want to train my boys to be the one that's actually worthy of getting a princess's heart, right? Like you need to be an upright man. You need to work hard. You need to provide, you need to protect and preside. You need to be a man, right? And then you need to find yourself the one the, the one in a thousand or 10,000 women who think of herself as a princess and who dad, whose dad has thought of her as the most valuable, you know what I mean? And she has protected herself as though she's worthy of the best. And that's when the best get to the best. And that's how marriage is supposed to be, in my opinion. Yeah. In any deviation beyond that, you, you get one woman who thinks she's great and then some schmuck comes along and she's getting, oh man, fine, whatever, just marry him. And it's like, oh wow, you know, it's a classic, classic case of like, you know, the the homecoming queen ends up in a trailer park, <laughs> you know? It's, I don't know, it, it is definitely both sides, you know? I just think, I mean, when you're a young man, boy, self-control is, is not on your side. Maybe it's, I don't know, I guess I can't speak necessarily from the side of a woman, of a woman, because obviously I've never had that physiology. But anyways, I do believe we solved a good, healthy chunk of the world's problems again today. Yep. We're good at this, Todd. Now, if uh, we could just get Justine and Puddinhead to subscribe and listen. <laughs> That's right. Maybe if we start broadcasting in French, Justine will, will go for it. I think it was his dad that made French the uh, uh, national, two national language. I think it was his father that did that one. You know, it's funny is that uh, Quebec became its own nation. And his dad, the thing he fought against, and he wanted to take away any special rights from any uh, province. He wanted to kind of unite the provinces. And Quebec had all these weird things and stuff, and he fought so hard to undo a bunch of stuff, and now Justin Trudeau's just putting it back to, to the way his yeah. dad tried to do it. Uh, it's so cute. I remember back before his dad, Quebec, everything was in French, and then could only be subtitled in English. Yeah. Stupid. Yeah. 
Oh, aren't all politics, hey? I think these politicians just waste too much time and too much money. And so. air. They use too much air. Mm-hmm. It's because they talk too much. We should start air taxing. Hey, tax the politicians for how many words they use. <laughs> Here's what I think. All politicians should not get paid. That's true. No, no, or, no kickbacks, no pay, no nothing. And all of their taxes, their family's taxes, are transparently online. Yeah. Right? So you can't hide anything. And then they therefore they wouldn't want to stay in power for life because yep. they'd starve. Right? Yeah. Or you know what they should be compensated for what their job was, right? So if I'm a millwright and I make this much a year, and if I get into full time politics, I look at that and say, Okay, yeah, you know what? He's he's given up this because he wants to fight. He should still make a living wage. And if you've got someone who became a who's a doctor and for ten years and all of a sudden he wants to really move some things through, he should be compensated. Or, or maybe it's just a flat rate. Like, just they should get paid something, right? Were, no, I think <laughs> give them should. a per diem to live on. Yeah, per diem. There you go. That's what I'm talking uh, about. No, no salary, just a per diem. Yeah. So you pay for their food, uh, and you get like the what we would call in America Section Eight housing, um, and that's where they live in in the capital. Mm-hmm. And then Build they should get a little rise, bit of money. You give them a an apartment, and then, you know, $40 a day to eat on, screw you everything else. And then they yeah. wouldn't want to stay in forever. Yeah. The yeah. way it Car- should be. Career politicians, that is a big problem. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you, Todd. Oh, well. Yep. And we were going to do a short one. Now yeah. we're here, you know, 90 minutes in. Yeah. I, you know what this man you know that song reminds me oh lord it's hard to be humble when you're perfect in every way <laughs> we just got so much great things to talk about that we just can't keep it all in the whole time funny because you know? that's at the bottom of my birth certificate <laughs> that's funny <laughs> that's right well Todd it was great talking with you again absolutely always enjoy and to the listeners thank you for tuning in we appreciate it uh, beyond that, this is what it's about. It's a conversation between two friends. And, uh, yeah, I got some rodeoing to get to, and then hopefully you start feeling a little better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until next week when my I'll get uh, Danette to sneak up on me again, and I'll scream <laughs> like a little girl. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe it will actually be a snake one of these times, and I'll just be like, ah, ha, ha, and then you'll be like, no, my, my foot's in his mouth. I'm like, yeah, right, Todd. <laughs> <laughs> Cool beans. All right. We'll talk to you all later. See you.